and welcome to The Daily Note with Tyrone Deal and Dr. Nathan Daly, where we talk all things rehabilitation and human performance. Yeah. How are you doing today, Nathan? I'm doing excellent. I mean, I look at the weather outside. I know, it is I don't know. I mean, we're, so we're going to probably release this episode next week, but my God, the trees are in full bloom. The sky is crystal clear. I see, you know, birds flying. I see rafters going down the river. I mean, it is. We got a great view here at Tomsic PT. Yeah, we do. I can see the river here, and yes, yeah, spring is springing, as people would say. Uh, I am excited for this awesome weather we're having. How about you? Oh my God. I mean, I love to hike outdoors, get out with my dog, get out with my wife, my son when he's willing to go on a hike. <laughs> um, but I've been going on a lot more ruck marches, carrying some weight on my back and hiking up and around the trails of my awesome. neighborhood. And it's been really great to get out in the outdoors. Neat. Yeah, I've been cycling, biking to work to and from. So I'm really excited we have this weather. You know, it beats, I love the cold and I love winter sports, but I'm happy summer is here on the way. Oh, I love it. And especially in, in this mountain town we live in, it's cool, humidity is low um, really nice during the uh, the summer yeah. one of the best times for me at least yeah. yes I agree couldn't agree more you know uh, today's topic uh, relates to outdoor activities or actually one specifically that everyone's getting into yeah. uh, since it's post winter um, we have running. We're going to talk about running today. Yes. Uh, and Nathan, have, do, do you run at all? <laughs> Why do you ask that question, Tyrone? Uh, you know, I just want to know. I just, I want, I just want to. Do, ask am you. I looking a little bit bigger? You know, look a little bit more. You know, heavy on my feet a little bit. You're more ripped, as I would say. <laughs> well, I Strong. used, I used to run quite a lot when I weighed about forty to fifty pounds less than I do now, and had quite a lot less muscle mass. Um, but I ran pretty consistently through college. Uh, not on the collegiate team, uh, but I ran as a part of um, half marathon, up to half marathon distances, and I did uh, up to half Ironman distances for wow. triathlon. So uh, I really like to run, and I was pretty Impressive. decent at it, and had some faster times, not fast compared to the Durangoites here, the Durango <laughs> Durangotans, but I was a decent runner, yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, you know, you know, people are going to get out there uh, post-winter, you know, we may not have any uh, snow athletes out there, snow sports. Uh, but, you know, running is a common thing that is around here. Hiking as well, trail running too. And I just wanted to ask you, pick your brain a little bit on a few things, you know. Uh, what are some of the common running injuries? I know some of the ones that I know, yeah. and you may know some others, sure. is plantar fasciitis, runner's knee, iliotelial band syndrome, IT band syndrome, uh, Achilles tendonitis, shin splints, stress fractures, and hip flexor pain. Oh, is that all? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there's quite <laughs> a lot more. That's, that's what I was saying. You, you know, unfortunately, running gets a bad rap because there are a lot of uh, injuries that seem to be made worse okay. by running, if not necessarily caused by running. Uh -huh. um, but so, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty comprehensive list of probably the most common injuries. There are various tendinopathies, other aches and pains, um, other areas of the body that can hurt as a result of running, but those are by far the most common. Um, so you really highlighted, first off, <clears throat> plantar fascia pain. So starting with the foot there. Yes. Um, Really, the appropriate medical term for that is plantar fasciopathy right now. Okay. Because there's no active inflammation or marker of inflammation ah. within the bottom of the feet. Okay. So it's a lot like calling things tendinopathies now instead of calling them tendinitises. Okay. Tendinitis implies infl inflammation, acute tissue swelling. That's not present in most of these conditions. Hmm. So that kind of leads itself, and we probably will do a podcast on this in the future, but like how do we treat uh, plantar fasciopathy? How do we treat various kinds of tendinopathy? And what's the appropriate treatment and management strategy? And kind of what's more cutting edge okay. and how we're gonna treat these conditions going forward. So I, I'd love to get into that at some point, but yes. Um, for the foot, um, you have 
uh, both plantar fasciopathy, you have various stress fractures that can happen or stress reactions okay. that can happen within the feet. Um, you also have um, moving up and into the shin, you have um, shin splints is kind of a term that I don't like and the medical community has shied away from now because it doesn't okay. really describe one condition in particular. Okay. A shin splint could be the early portion of a stress fracture, a stress reaction, a bone stress injury that's progressing toward a fracture. Okay. It could also be a tendinopathy of the post posterior tibial tendon as ah. it passes down behind the ankle joint right there behind the ankle bone on the inside. Um, it could also be an irritation of the soft tissue um, just immediately behind the tibia. I mean there's a whole bunch of things that shin splints could be. Yeah. So yes, shin splints is kind of a generic term. You could have stress fractures or bony stress injuries of the tibia. You could have overuse injuries of the knee. So that's patellofemoral pain syndrome. You call it runner's knee. Yes. You have patellar tendinopathy, so okay. an irritation or pain within the patellar tendon. You can have quad tendinopathy. Oh, wow. You did not mention that, but pain in the tendon just above the kneecap. Um, you can also develop iliotibial band syndrome if we move more to the outside of the knee, which is pain um, as you fully straighten or slightly flex the knee on the outside of the I knee. I never get that. On our you had trip. that. I, I remember that. Really <laughs> and it flared up on our biking trip last oh, year, too. Oh, yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so so there are, there are all these hosts, and then obviously hip flexor or overuse injuries of the hip, and then potentially just aggravation of hip pain of a variety of different causes at the hip from you know from running okay and the in the stress of running and could running uh could that cause a labral tear within the hip Gen use generally generally labral tears within the hip are not caused by running okay it's usually right. there's an acute trauma mm -hmm. there is a planting twisting mechanism it's within a ball sport there's a lot more violence a lot more trauma associated okay. Now, there are off chances where a person could develop a labral tear on the hip due to congenital factors. They had hip dysplasia as a child. They had congenital um, shallowness of the acetabulum or the pocket within which the hip or the head of the femur sits. And maybe okay. they're more likely to develop tears with less trauma. But in most athletes, a labral tear is going to happen from, from some specific trauma and twisting planting trauma. Okay. Maybe a trail runner might run into that, possibly? Uh, maybe, but but again, I don't want to necessarily think that, like, you know, labral injuries are a separate category un okay. unto themselves, but overuse injuries of the soft tissue in uh -huh. and around the hip, uh, the hip flexors, the psoas major um, as it comes down, or iliopsoas, um, the tensor fascia lata, the gluteus medius and minimus on the outside of the hip and the tendons as they insert on the outside of the hip. Those are all common sites for tissue irritation or okay. pain. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for that extra input and ex yep. uh, extra uh, terms too. So I yeah. appreciate that. Sure. We're all learning here. Uh, the next thing I have is how do you, how long do these injuries on average typically take to heal from the lower end to the highest? You know. Well, I mean, we're we're looking at you know. If it really depends on how long you've had the condition for, okay. if we've caught it early in the process or not, whether we're dealing with a bone okay. injury, so a bone stress injury versus a tendon, a long-standing tendon overuse injury, where there's actually been substantial changes potentially within the tendon. The tendon has um, is remodeling itself. It's in this process of healing. Okay. That can take a long time. I mean, we're looking at bone the, the minimum time required for bone to heal is about you know, six to eight weeks, just minimum, not even ready to be loaded yet. Oh, wow. Okay. We're looking at more like 12 to 16 weeks to get back to those full impact activities or okay. so. 
but a tendinopathy that's long-standing. And I know we spoke about that in our tendinopathy episode. Could you can be, go... Could be 12, 18, 24 months or so wow. of consistent collagen remodeling. Now, are you able to exercise without pain sooner than that? Most likely. Okay. But still, it's a much longer, potentially multi-month long process to get the wow. pain under control and to build back tolerance for those heavier loads. Okay. And especially, let's, I mean, let's get into it right now. You think about when you run mm-hmm. the ground reaction forces. So how much force is transmitted up and through your foot and up and in through your thigh, your leg, and into your hip exceed multiple multipliers of the body weight depending on how fast you're running. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between two and three times your body weight typically with each strike. So okay. there's a lot of strength, there's a lot of load capacity that has to be built within those soft tissues, specifically the tendons, uh-huh. to then be able to transmit force like a spring, oh, to okay. recoil and then push That's off right. again. There's one thing to be able to handle the amount of force and you have to build up to a high level of strength, but then you also have to learn to store that energy and return it quickly. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then treatment for these uh, various types of injuries. What What is the treatment protocol or uh, the treatment guidelines that you follow? Well, so treatment for um, each running injury is going to depend on, again, the type of injury involved. Mm-hmm. A little bit of, you know, if a person comes to me and their bone stress injury, let's say they have, and and again, notice I'm using that term. I'm not saying stress fracture. Mm -hmm. Not all bone stress injuries have progressed to this latter stage where it's at a proper fracture. Um, But if they come to me with a bone stress injury, my management strategy for them is going to be initially to reduce load, to allow the bone to heal adequately and then progressively introduce load. But there's going to be a period of almost no activity or loading and working the musculature around it, working Mm -hmm. the upper body, keeping the cardiovascular system intact. So you're doing cardio training, potentially um, upper body training that's cardiovascular in nature, all those things. But then I have to keep this person out of activity so that they can heal. A tendon is a lot different depending on how severe the tendon pain is, how aggravated it is. If every time we load the tendon, we take two steps back and the person's irritated for several days, then I have to find an entry point for exercise that's not going to irritate them. Okay. But I'm going to start that process of loading for a tendon problem or an overuse injury or plantar fasciopathy, for example, much earlier, almost immediately as soon as the patient comes to me versus a bone stress injury. So everything's different. Different. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of these topics that we have would be probably their own episode. Their own episode in and of themselves. And I have a ton of stuff to talk about for any one of these conditions. So awesome. (laughs) No surprise there. I like to talk. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's, that's fine. You know, this is the space to do that. That's right. You give me the space to fly. I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. There we go. Shout out Mark Wahlberg. Shout out Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) Uh, Next thing I have is as a certified strength and conditioning specialist, uh, what does the plan to recovery or full function look like? Uh, for a runner who's maybe it's not a severe injury, maybe a minor, or could you just give us a little synopsis yeah. of that? So I would say there are really two main categories that I would want to focus on in this runner. It is managing their training load. And when I say managing training load, I don't mean stop running. Okay. For all but the most severe conditions. Mm-hmm. If you're diagnosed with a high-grade bone stress injury, a stress fracture, absolutely. You have to stop running. You have to stop loading that so that the bone can heal itself. Okay initially. But for all other conditions, training load management means identifying the amount of running you can still do and still continue to make progress with your rehab. Okay. Okay. So the flip side of that is also rehab. What are we going to do to build resiliency, strength, and reduce pain within the affected tissues? Okay. Now, 
I'm making a big assumption here. I'm saying, I don't want you guys to think, the listeners out there, that tissue damage equals pain. That's a big pet peeve of mine. It's a big soapbox I've gotten on before. <laughs> but that said, if you can point to a specific spot in your body, it didn't hurt before, you poke it and it hurts, I'm gonna assume that the tissue is relevant to your pain in some way, directly. So okay. that's what I'm addressing right here. There's a tissue specific, it's called nociceptive type pain. A pain that has a cause or a stimulating factor within the extremity. We talked I, about that in the tendinopathy. I point, yeah, yeah, we talked about our three types of pain, yes. remember? Yes, we have neuropathic pain, nerve-related pain, and centrally mediated pain, or spinal cord-related pain, but not in, to get into that. But if this person has no susceptive pain, I want to make sure that those tissues, the tissues that have at least some contributing role in the person's pain, are loaded appropriately. That's through your recreational activity. That's what you want to do, listener, as the runner. You want to get, you want to keep running as much as you can. And I don't want to be the one to tell you not to run. And in fact, not running is probably not good for your tissues. We just have to find how much you can do. Mm. And if that's none for a while, then so be it. There are other strengthening exercises we can do. The rehab side, we need to build those tissues tolerance for increased amount of weight load on the tissues and then return them to that ability. What I was just talking about before, that ability to store energy the tendons specifically, and then return that energy quickly with a tr quick transition. So those are all things that I would do during the rehab process. So as a strength conditioning specialist, as a person who's worked with um, army recruits, basic trainees coming in, the two main things we're gonna work on, building tissue strength and resiliency, managing how much training load and stress you're putting on your body with your running activities and everything else. Okay, cool. And that kind of leads up to my next question is lifting, strength training. Yep. Um, can these help with uh, these common injuries in running and how so? Well, it kind of gets into what we talked about before. So Load progression, uh, a, how a, much you can do. Uh, a stronger tissue, a tissue that is much stronger than the stress is placed on it by the chosen activity, in this case running, mm -hmm. is a tissue that's less likely to suffer an injury. Okay. Okay. So Cool. And it's integral, absolutely integral. So, you know, you have to run in certain ways. And I actually wanted to get into this because I know a lot of people are probably thinking this, and I know it wasn't didn't appear in your question list, but does running a certain way make me more likely to get injured? Yeah. Right? That's a question, that right? That's a good one. That's a good question, right? The evidence would suggest not. So we went through a big phase in this country. Do you remember the book Born to Run? Yes. Yeah. So the Tarahumara tribe, this preoccupation with barefoot running yes just took off become this this global yes, phenomenon shoes. the five finger <laughs> shoes i still own them i still own them um but and i fell prey to it myself but it was this belief that the body needed to land more towards the forefoot or towards the front of the foot to uh, leverage the natural shock absorption capacities of the sole of the foot the Achilles tendon, the patellar tendon, mm -hmm. and spread that load up the kinetic chain instead of transmitting directly from the heel up and through the knee and up and through the hip. Well, it was all well-meaning, you know, and it's it's true that if you put a person in a minimalist pair of footwear, they are going to tend to shift more towards the middle or front of their foot just to reduce the jarring impact. But there has been no correlation, I want to repeat, there has been no correlation between running style and likelihood of injury established. And you need only look to the most elite runners out there. There are a variety of running styles to include a pronounced heel strike among even the most elite runners in this country. Okay. So, cool. um, again, the bigger determining factor is how 
quickly you have increased your training over time and how you got to your current mileage. If you think you're gonna come off the couch and you're gonna start running 10 to 13 mile long runs on the weekend. Easy. I'm just just easy, super easy, <laughs> come off the couch. Maybe for some people, but the vast majority of people are putting themselves at a risk for injury just because of the ramp up of training. Everyone okay. knows that you're supposed to increase your running mileage slowly. Very few people do it, however. Oh, I do a quarter mile at a time. Or, well, then you are a very smart man. And usually people have to learn through experience and they have to learn through um, pain and suffering. Um, but what I'll say is, Training load management and slowly getting up to that total training amount of time that you want to put in. Time on your feet. I want you guys to think. Time on your feet, not miles. Time on your feet. There's a vast difference between a six-minute mile runner going out for an easy run at six minutes a mile and the person going along at 10 to 12 minutes a mile. One person is spending a hell of a lot more time on their feet for equal mileage. Ooh, so the okay. stress to that less fit runner's body is much more than it is for the fitter runner. Okay. So oh, interesting. Yeah. So we're gonna get into a lot of that, but I wanted to I wanted to nip that in the bud. A person who runs a particular way is not more likely to get an injury based on the evidence we have because of that way they run. Now, if you come to me and you say I hurt in this spot and I diagnose you with a particular condition, there are certain strengthening exercises we're gonna do. Potentially, we may even change the way you run a little bit temporarily or maybe for the long term mm -hmm. to take some of the stress off that tissue. Okay. I have a runner, for example. I'll give you a good example, and this will be the last one, and we'll say goodbye for now. Sounds There's a good. lot more content to come. <laughs> um, she has IT band syndrome. Okay. She was a pronounced heel striker. Um, she ran regularly about five years ago. She was into five to seven years ago. She was into ultra marathons. Developed horrible IT band syndrome. Hasn't been able to run again. I put her on a treadmill. I watched her running style. She runs with a very pronounced heel strike, fully extending knee, fully straightening the knee on initial contact. Well, it's been shown that at ground contact, knee flexion angles are higher in people who forefoot strike. So what I'm saying by this is, what I mean by this is, I shifted her to a forefoot strike pattern so she doesn't stress her IT band in the last little bit of knee extension as she makes contact. She's now up to 15 to 20 minutes of continuous running three times a week with no wow. pain. There are times when changing the way you run can help dramatically with your recovery. Okay. What I'm getting at is don't go up to a person who doesn't have pain on the street and go, if your heel strike you're going to get injured, bro. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't be that person. Don't be that person. <laughs> Don't be the person who critiques people's form, I guess. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I, I do not do that. So. Okay, you don't. Well, I'm talking from experience. I used to be that person. I'm telling myself in the past, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, Ty. So, um, I mean, we're going to definitely record a part two for this. There are a lot more questions I, and more depth that I want to yes. get into on how to treat running-related injuries, what a runner should do to improve their technique. So let's say you come to me and you've come off of an injury and you've improved. Well, how do you make yourself a faster runner, mm -hmm. more efficient runner? Ooh. How do you run with less energy used? All those things are relative, are good questions for, uh, yeah, next time. The future. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Nathan. That's some great information you gave all of us and yeah. delicious at home. I hope you guys are doing well. Yep. You guys are enjoying this lovely weather. Get out in the nature. Enjoy the great outdoors. Enjoy the sunshine. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Daly. We appreciate you and uh, thank you for all your information. Yep. This we'll is the see Daily we'll Note with Tyrone Deal. And Dr. Nathan Daly, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks.